Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to Sister Wives with Mary Jane Kay. Today, I'll be giving my commentary on Seeking Sister Wife, Season 4, Episode 12, An Emotional Roller Coaster. The episode opens with the Merrifields in Brazil. Danielle, Roberta, and Garrick are hanging out at the beach. Danielle and Roberta are holding hands on the way up the stairs. And it looks like Roberta is Danielle's child or something. To me, it's weird to hold hands with your girlfriends or sister wives. When you're grown-ass adults in your late 30s and 40s to hold hands, like, unless you are drunk or in shoes you can't walk in or you need physical assistance for some reason, that would be the only acceptable reason to hold hands. But to just hold hands in your 30s is weird. Garrick is walking behind them, and it looks to me like he's checking out Roberta's ass go up the stairs. Roberta is taking Garrick and Danielle to the famous Copacabana Beach. Garrick is feeling super optimistic with how things are going. Things went well with mom. Danielle says it feels like they are in a really good place. Mm-hmm. Usually when people are on cloud nine, it's a signal that doom and gloom is stampeding in like some raging bulls. Garrick agrees with Danielle. He, too, feels great about things. Roberta tells Garrick, Baby, I would like to have quality time with my sister, Danielle. As he, Danielle, and Roberta are strolling and holding hands with the translator present, of course. I really find it so odd every time Roberta refers to Danielle as sister or when any of the other polygamists on the reality shows that I watch call their sister wife their sister. Would you bang your sister's husband under any circumstances in real life? Ever. That's incest level type shit. So calling the woman whose husband you also sleep with, who is also your husband, your sister, feels wrong. It's very off-putting every time I hear it. Roberta asks if Garrick would mind if she and Danielle have a moment of sisterly conversation while Garrick can relax on the beach alone. The translator tells Garrick and he agrees. He kisses Roberta and her sister Danielle on the mouth. A quick peck, nothing scandalous. But do you guys see why it feels off to use the term sister for your sister wife? Roberta says, she chose the beach for today to talk to Danielle on purpose with intention because the beach is a quiet place. Roberta wants to ask Danielle whether she is really doing this just for Garrick or if she really desires herself to add another person into their relationship. Roberta tells Danielle as they hold hands, the translator at the ready by their side that she needs to ask a question, and she has asked this question before. She asks Danielle to please be sincere with her. Roberta tells Danielle that since the beginning, Danielle always said she was very jealous, and Danielle said that she did not exist in Garrick's heart anymore. Oh, Roberta wants to know that Danielle isn't just doing this for Garrick, because Roberta says, if that's the case, she would never be able to forgive herself. Roberta asks whether it was with herself or another woman 
if it was Danielle's idea to include another wife and to be in a plural relationship. Danielle says when they first decided to start looking for another wife, it was very hard. Danielle starts crying here and she says the first trip was very hard with Roberta. And Roberta asks why Danielle didn't tell her. Danielle says strong sister. I think she means to say she was trying to be strong. It's hard to know when they can only communicate in one or two words like toddlers. Roberta tells Danielle she can open up to her. She can tell her everything she is feeling. Danielle says she knows that now. Roberta tells Danielle that she would never do it. She won't do it. She won't be able to live polygamy with them if she thinks Danielle isn't doing this because she wants it. And Danielle assures Roberta she wants it. She's not just doing it for Garrick. In my opinion, Danielle just wants to keep Garrick around probably for her kids' sakes, because she knows that Garrick isn't going to hesitate to make a family in Brazil and split his time if he must. I think Roberta can sense that Danielle doesn't really want this, and I'm not sure if Roberta is being very sensitive now intentionally as a way to try and back out of this and not come to the U.S., or I wonder if Roberta is actually genuinely trying to do the right thing by Danielle for her sake. But I do think Danielle is saying she wants this because she knows to keep Garrick, she has to say that in order to keep Roberta in because she knows otherwise if Roberta goes, Garrick will go with her. Roberta tells Danielle that she wasn't ready for them planning to have another wife even before she got to the U.S., and that is really messing with her. And Danielle asks, still as if she's surprised by this. Danielle says, Roberta bringing up that she is unhappy about them continuing to date or search for a third wife is very shocking. Danielle said, back in the summer, Roberta was telling them that she wasn't going to come to Colorado, that she couldn't leave her mother. Oh, that was when they decided to start dating again. So now Danielle is wondering, is this coming from insecurities and jealousies that Roberta has that she didn't realize she had? Danielle mentions that Garrett told her Roberta was better and comfortable with them dating. Roberta tells Danielle that's not true. She says from the start, she always said she was not comfortable adding another person before she even got to the U.S. Roberta explains that she experienced conflicts because one day she woke up and Garrick introduced her to another woman and he told Roberta that she would like to be a part of their family. And Roberta was shocked. She didn't expect that Garrick could include another person at that time when they still had not even had a quality moment together yet. They had just seen each other during travels. Roberta tells Danielle she has come to her and to Garrick about this and she came to the conclusion that she just had to accept that Danielle and Garrick are in this period of seeing other people. Danielle starts crying and she says, it's something that she and her husband and Roberta should discuss all together. 
Danielle says it's been very hard not being able to communicate a lot, but she tells Roberta they are sisters and she has her back. She says she's sorry if she made Roberta feel like she didn't care. And Danielle and Roberta hug and Danielle says after they told Roberta they were dating a third wife, things got better. Roberta said she was fine with it. Garrick told Danielle that Roberta said she was cool with it and that Roberta realized whatever God had was for them and that she was trusting God and moving forward. And so Danielle feels there are a lot of mixed signals here. Danielle says if she would have said, sorry, Garrick, she's not ready right now, then Roberta wouldn't be here. Danielle is in tears. She says she feels like she needs a break and she can't handle this as she breaks down on camera. Wow, I have a lot to say. I think Roberta is asking valid questions, like is Danielle doing this because she personally wants to live polygamy, or is she doing it for Garrick? Also, Roberta bringing up the third wife and her not being okay with it, and feeling she was forced to accept that they're gonna date, I think, that's a valid thing to bring up, that she wasn't heard. I think these are valid questions, but I wonder why Roberta didn't bring this up much earlier with Danielle by phone, email, text, whatever. Why now? Is it because Roberta is genuinely concerned? Or does Roberta want to keep the money rolling in, and now that it's about to get real and she will be forced to move to the U.S., Maybe Roberta has decided she doesn't want to do this, so now is the time to bring up her concerns. And she didn't before, maybe because she needed the cash from them. Danielle did say they were sending money to Roberta, so I don't know. Maybe this is Roberta's way out of this. But Danielle can't be truthful. She knows Garrick would have no problem leaving her and starting a separate family in Brazil. And so she knows that if she doesn't convince Roberta to join the family and that she really wants this, Garrick will just have a separate family in Brazil. Roberta is his priority and Danielle knows that. And she seems to want to keep Garrick at all costs. She probably loves him and probably for her kids sake to keep her family together. She agreed to the divorce, she agreed to doing polygamy, probably because Garrick would easily just move on otherwise. Garrick would have no problem moving on from Danielle, in my opinion, if she were willing to accept living as a divorced woman. I think Roberta doesn't want to come to the U.S. And she kept this going. She got lots of cash sent over. It helped her and her family. And so she waited to bring up these concerns till the last minute as a way to back out. Also, let's talk about Garrick. It seems to me, quiet as a mouse, Vanilla Garrick is a controlling, manipulative little bee. I think he lied to Danielle. I think he manipulated Roberta. And I think Garrick is trying to intentionally pick women that he knows will depend on him financially and they will need him to survive. Remember when he was resistant to Leah because she had a job. He said she could stay home and he could pay for her. Garrick wants to be the one that these women that he brings in depend on in order to live. He wants to be in control because then 
The women that he marries can't leave him so easily if they depend on him. He doesn't want an independent, self-sufficient woman. He wants a woman who needs him, who depends on him in order to live. So the women aren't in a position to ask too many questions or to be too independent. That's just my take. Eric's quiet way, his tears, his mousy, whispery voice that turns my stomach and sends chills down my spine. Is Garrick that quiet, mousy, whispery guy always crying when his mask is off? It looks to me like not only is Garrick twisting religion to justify what he is doing, but he also seems to want to manipulate and control. Why did he force dating a potential third wife on Roberta? Why did he spring it on her without having conversations with her? It seems to me that Garrick just told her one day, meet Leah, she wants to join our family. It was sprung on Roberta with no conversations, no asking is this okay. No option or choice for Roberta was given. Roberta didn't have a say. Garrick called one day and said, meet our potential new family member. He knew Roberta couldn't do anything about it. He didn't care. He forced it on Roberta. And then he lied to Danielle and he told her Roberta is totally cool with it. I think Garrick wasn't sure if Roberta would actually come to the U.S. or not. And he wanted some cake and he wanted some options. And Danielle also flipped the script, thinking she could troll Garrick and create issues between Garrick and Roberta. And then the whole polygamy fiasco would end for her, in my opinion. So Garrick forced it on Roberta and he lied to Danielle, saying she was cool when she wasn't. And Roberta went to both Garrick and Danielle, expressing she wasn't cool with this. And ultimately, no one cared. And Danielle reduced it in her mind to, Maybe Roberta is just jealous. Garrick ignored Roberta's thoughts. He lied to Danielle. He said Roberta was cool when she wasn't. Garrick thinks he is playing chess. Ultimately, he can lie to Danielle. He can make a family in another country. My opinion, I don't think he thinks Danielle will ever leave him. About it, he got her to divorce him. I really think Garrick would have wanted to move on. And so Danielle allowed polygamy to keep Garrick. So Garrick thinks he can do whatever and Danielle will never leave. And in my opinion, he doesn't respect Danielle. He will just lie. He will make a family elsewhere. He will do whatever he wants because he knows he can. He thinks he can. And when he saw Danielle was willing to allow another wife and divorce him, he knew he could get away with anything. Garrick thinks he's winning at life. He's winning at chess. He can get women to be sister wives that depend on him to live so it will be hard for them to go anywhere. He can have all the cake and control the situation all in the name of God. And he doesn't think Danielle will ever go. Look what he got her to do. And she is still by his side facilitating this, probably because she thinks it's best for her sons to keep her family together when it kills her on the inside. Roberta can tell what the dynamics are, and in my opinion, she enjoys the cash, she relies on it. And I think she sees Garrick's true nature and how she had no choice in them dating a potential third wife, and she knows her voice may not be heard in the US. And now she has told Danielle, Garrick lied to you, that I was okay. So now I think Danielle is crying because she finally gets 
that Garrick doesn't respect her and that in Garrick's mind, he is playing chess when really it's just checkers. If I was Danielle, I would leave with a quickness and enjoy my family who love me. She has her kids, she has her parents, she has her brother and his wife. I'm sure she has a wonderful support system. And she has things in her name, allegedly, just speculation, not fact. So I hope one day she goes and gets what she deserves because Garrick ain't it, just in my opinion. And Danielle seems like a really kind, supportive, wonderful woman. And she should have someone who appreciates her. Next up are the Epps family. It's the morning after Marcus went to see Janae after India and Taryn met her. And Marcus didn't come home. India makes no bones about it. She announces she is pissed. India says there was no reason for Marcus to even want to be in Janae's room, in her opinion, for an extended period of time. India says they weren't out. He was dropping Janae off and he made sure she got to her room. And Taryn doesn't seem as upset as India. She just says, yeah. And walks Marcus. He hangs his key by the door very casually. He says, good morning. He knows India is livid and he addresses it right off the bat. He tells her, I'm going to tell you right now, like nothing fucking happened. Nothing. Marcus explains his voice shaking that he is slightly nervous walking in the door this morning. He says, let's not get it twisted. Clearly, they are justified in the fact that he should not have stayed out. It wasn't something he planned to do, but he fell asleep. It's an insult to India and Taryn's intelligence and to the viewers too, that this man thinks he is gonna come on TV after being out with Janae all night coming in the next morning and already mentioning how much he wants to sleep with her before even the first date. He mentions making rose petal trails to her bed at the Airbnb. It's totally normal to love sex, no problem, it's amazing. But when you have two wives and you make it clear your whole life's purpose is where to stick it next and you spent the night alone with a woman, there is no way anyone in the world will believe you fell asleep. No, no, no. To anyone who believes Marcus fell asleep, I have some magic beans to sell you. Plant them. Anything you want will be yours in just two weeks. I promise. Just add water. Don't miss out. Call now. Marcus says, my bad, as his wives look like they are planning his stoning. Taryn is frustrated. Marcus asks, what she is up to. He knows that she will be the most approachable of his wives. And she looks at him pissed and she says, just waiting on you. And Marcus says, sorry, but they went out, they had some drinks, they chilled there at Janae's and they talked for a little bit. And he mentions he already told them that part. And he doesn't want to be bothered to go over it again, it seems, because that's probably the part where the sex happened. Marcus has to re-explain it, he knows he might fuck up with the details, just in my opinion. India points out that Marcus told just Taryn that part. He didn't tell her. Marcus is already agitated. He tells India he called Taryn's phone because it was the last phone he talked to them on, he says. 
Marcus knows he can easily call anyone on his cell phone, no problem, and everyone has their cell phone by their side. It's not easier to call the last number he called before. It's equally as easy to call India. Marcus just wants to excuse avoiding India, knowing she would bitch, so he called Taryn. Marcus says he and Janae didn't do anything. And India says she didn't say they did. Marcus says even the not coming home part of it, it's not that big a deal, he says. India says Marcus knew better and she feels like he's feeding bullshit, falling asleep, doesn't excuse him not coming home. India points out that she makes sure not to put herself in positions to fall asleep and not come home. And she feels like the same respect should be given to her. I agree with India. I think Marcus doesn't respect his wives. If he deeply respected his wives and what family he has, their feelings would come before Marcus getting his cake. And Marcus would be way more responsible and way more sensitive than to fall asleep, quote unquote, anywhere. He would make sure to come home. He would want to come home. That would be a priority to him. And that didn't happen. That didn't happen. Marcus didn't come home because Marcus doesn't respect his wife's feelings. He prioritizes what he wants and himself and getting his cake. If Marcus already doesn't have respect for his wives, he will never have it. And I can understand loving someone and not wanting to give up the life you know. But if respect is a deal breaker and this man has proven he does not respect you or prioritize your feelings, he prefers to prioritize himself. If that's unacceptable, it will never change. So why stay? Love isn't enough in situations like that. If these women are staying expecting a change, good luck. And it's hard when you love someone and you love your family to say, no, I can't do this. But if respect is important to you in the long run, it's better to cut ties sooner rather than later. And this is a very one-sided love. Marcus won't change because he doesn't care. If Marcus cared, he wouldn't put himself first and prioritize himself and cake and his own feelings over how his wives feel and what is best for them. Marcus knows this hurts them. He doesn't care. He comes first. Wives get hurt. Oh, well, he will do as he likes and try to talk his way out of that later. I think a lot of the love that keeps Taryn and India in this is actually really one-sided and it's just Marcus being a salesman and using manipulation tactics on them, just in my opinion. Taryn explains to Marcus that it's the whole communication piece of it because India felt Marcus should have communicated that he was there with Janae, still kicking it. Taryn tries to mediate. She tells India she thinks that is what her issue is. And India explains it's more of a worry now, especially when Marcus is not responsive and she doesn't have his location. So it's never a thing of distrust. It's more about worry. And she says, Marcus knows that. Marcus insists that India had his location, though, and India frustratedly insists she did not have it. And Marcus insists she does have it. He says there's something going on with India's phone, so she can't get his location. 
and India says, then that means she doesn't have his location. And India asks Marcus, so does that mean I do or I don't have it if I can't see your location? And Marcus says, let's make clear that I've given my location. He points out that Taryn had his location too. So India asks if she was just supposed to wake up Taryn in the middle of the night to find out where the fuck he was. Taryn feels that the best way to navigate this journey they are on is a lot of communication. She says everyone should be open and honest with each other, especially Marcus, because again, he has a home to think about. Marcus says there is nothing cool about coming home in the morning, and he apologizes. Marcus asks if he can be forgiven, and he mentions that, after all, Janae is a potential sister wife. Heron tells Marcus what he did was dumb, and Marcus kisses her and says he's sorry, and Marcus goes to kiss India and apologize. India says she is still super pissed that Marcus stayed out all night, but she thinks he gets how angry she is, so she is just choosing to move on at this point. I have some comments about this, obviously. Marcus is just making excuses, saying Taryn's phone is broke, adding fuel to the fire, when he knows it's a bullshit excuse, like the dog ate my homework type of excuse. It's a very childish, amateur excuse. Your phone must be broke. When Marcus 100% knows he texted Taryn and didn't text India because she would have blown a gasket if she knew Marcus was still out or not coming home. Remember when I said never trust a politician? Marcus doesn't give a fuck about India's feelings. He doesn't care about the suffering and the worry that he caused her. He cares that he got what he wanted. He made the excuse about her phone not working, which is an amateur lie. And then he says he knows he messed up by coming home in the morning and he just kisses each wife and they accept the apology. Marcus knows all he has to do is talk in circles kiss his wives and say I'm sorry, and if they don't let it go and move forward and accept that their husband really doesn't give a fuck about them, they will just be pissed and Marcus will ignore them. Things will get resolved and Marcus will ignore them and all they will do is stew in anger alone and it will affect the amount of attention that they will get from Marcus. These women love Marcus. He is their world. But they don't matter that much to him or he wouldn't behave as he does. Marcus only cares about Marcus, and he doesn't love these women, in my opinion, in the same way that they love him. Or he wouldn't be able to put himself fake or dating women first before the way his wives feel and their well-being. From my experience, when a man truly loves a woman when he is all in, that man will put the woman first, and he will sacrifice for them. And it doesn't feel like an effort for a man to treat their partner as they should. Because when you love your partner, there is no other way but to put them first and to consider them first. So in my opinion, Marcus doesn't love these women. Now that the apology phase is over, Marcus asks his wives how the meetup went with them and Janae. Taryn says it was their first time meeting, so while she feels like their encounter was good, there's so much more that she needs to learn about Janae. But Taryn doesn't want Marcus or Janae to put all this time or want or desire into it if it won't work for everybody involved, meaning Taryn and India as well. 
Marcus says that Janae's apprehension about the lifestyle is something he is concerned about. Marcus wants to see how it all will play out. Yeah, he wants to see if he can charm Janae into more cake first. Marcus says for now, Janae is still calling him when she's in town, and so she is clearly engaged and interested. Yes, I'm sure Janae loves the paycheck and the publicity of being on the show, but I genuinely don't think that she is actually interested in joining Marcus's family. Marcus knows how this all started for Janae with dropping the polygamy bomb on her. So he definitely is always going to be concerned about that. In fact, it's on his mind a lot. Marcus points out that they had this conversation when they talked about Bina. Regarding Bina, India says she doesn't take Bina seriously. She doesn't know about Bina doesn't know what will happen with Bina yet. She says it's too early to tell and they haven't had many serious moments. And India feels Bina is very playful and funny, but she doesn't know if Bina could necessarily be serious when she needs to be. So India is still on the fence with Bina. Taryn says if Bina is interested in the lifestyle and in Marcus, then Marcus has a lot to stand on as far as the relationship he already has established with her. Marcus says he won't do anything that will damage them. He's not going to do anything that will damage what he has with Taryn in India with decisions with either Bina or Janae. Marcus says after this conversation between Taryn, India and himself, his plan is to get together with Bina to discuss things. Next up are the Foley's. Steve and Brenda are at the new house and his son, Preston, came down from Dallas. And Brenda and Steve think it's a great opportunity to introduce April to at least one of his kids. And Steve looks forward to it. Preston and Steve are very awkward together. Steve asks his son how he has been since he and Brenda visited Dallas last. And all Preston says is good. He's a man of few words with his dad. Steve says the conversation he had in Dallas with his kids about himself and Brenda dating again didn't go the way he thought it would. And they flash back to the scene of Steve telling his kids that he and Brenda are dating again when his daughter, my favorite person on the show ever, said that if Steve gets a new girlfriend, she just won't come visit her dad and her dad can choose between his girlfriend or her. Steve asks his son how Jaden is doing, and she's good. Steve tells Preston that he and Jaden have been talking every single day since he visited Dallas, and it's been surprising that he and Jaden talk more now than before. Since the dinner with Preston and Jaden, Jaden's relationship with Steve has improved greatly, and today it's better than it has ever been in years. Steve feels that Jaden is more understanding of the relationship he has. She may not be fully supportive of it yet, but she is understanding of why he's doing it. And that's a step in the right direction. I'll take that with a grain of salt because this is Steve's interpretation. Steve asks Preston how he is feeling about meeting April. And Preston says he isn't feeling anything feels ready to meet his dad's new partner, but he thinks it will be awkward. 18-year-old Preston says he definitely would not want to have two girlfriends at the same time, 
And he says, just because Steve is his dad and it's in his dad's life, it doesn't mean that he should switch his ideologies. Steve really hopes that Preston likes April. Keep in mind, April is 21, Steve is 50 plus, and Preston is 18. It makes much more sense for April to date Preston, even if she is four years older than him, than for her to date his 50 plus year old dad. Preston could go to shows, they could go out and do stuff that people their age do, rather than April having to go out on dates with people as old as her parents. When she goes out on dates with Steve, it looks like Steve is her dad. And when she goes with Brenda and Steve, it looks like she's going out to dinner with her parents. This is so weird. It's weird for April and Preston and for Steve and Brenda. Obviously, I want to point out it would be super gross for April to date Preston since she has been with his dad. So I just want to point out that I'm not suggesting that that should happen. And that would be blech. But I just think it's best for April to be with someone in her age group. I get a five or six year age gap, maybe give or take a year even. April's age gap with Steve is just too much. And April is just 21 years old. She's learning about life and who she is and the way the world works for herself as a brand new adult in society. So doing that and then joining a polygamous situation with a much, much, much older man and then having to manage with a middle-aged woman wanting more from this girl, wanting her to be her sister and demanding more, more communication, more of this, more of that, when that isn't even in April's wheelhouse yet at this point in her life. And Steve dating her, doing fun stuff with her, and also expecting to marry her and have a family with her with Brenda on board. All of that is just too much for April, and she's going to look back on this and regret this. And she might feel when she gains hindsight, if she actually marries Steve, that Steve was manipulating her and using her. And he may have had feelings for her to some degree. It was basically Steve being selfish out of lust and wanting to start over again and have a family again. And he's taking from April's best years of her life. Steve knows better at the age he is at and at the place he is at in life. If April marries Steve, in my opinion, she is going to grow up and resent it. She's going to resent Steve big time. But that's just my opinion. Steve hopes that Preston likes April and that April and Preston are going to get along. And that's step one brings april in to meet steve and they very awkwardly say hello it's incredibly awkward especially you consider that preston and april are closer in age than april and steve and it even looks like preston and april could be a couple who are awkwardly meeting the parents steve and brenda this is weird a f Steve says this is a step they have never taken before, introducing somebody to the children. Brenda is hopeful that everything will be okay. How are Brenda and Steve in a position to even introduce April to the kids when Steve doesn't even put in the work to have a good relationship with his kids yet? And April and Brenda still aren't where they need to be in their relationship. In my opinion, this isn't the time to be introducing the kids at all. Steve and Brenda don't even have their shit fully worked out with April. Steve 
has a lot of work to do on the relationships he has with his kids first. April is very nervous meeting Preston for the first time. She says it's a big thing to meet Steve's kids. April feels better with Brenda there. She feels like Brenda is giving her a sense of comfort. Patrick asks how April and Steve met. And Steve explains they met through a social media dating app. And Preston jokes that that's romantic. Steve thinks that's the way of the world now. Preston asks April, why do you like my dad? And April starts laughing and fidgeting nervously, covering her face, her cheeks get red. She goes, oh my God. And she says, from the beginning, it was very easy and very natural. April says she was so nervous at first, and she tells Patrick that she is really nervous right now, too. Preston's first impression of April is she seemed very nice. He could feel the nerves in the room, and he could tell April was nervous. So it made him nervous, too, because they both want to put on a good first impression. Steve can tell there is lots of anxiety in the air. He says everybody realizes what a big important moment this is. So everybody is worrying about saying the wrong thing and nobody knows who anybody is yet. Steve says it's outside of his comfort zone too. It's a lot of nerves, but he is glad everybody is able to meet for the first time. Linda asks Preston how he is feeling and he says the same. And then Preston asks April how she is feeling and she starts laughing again. She says she feels neutral. She's so nervous. April says now that she has met Preston, one of Steve's kids, she feels they've gotten a big step out of the way. So it brings them further into the relationship. Brenda shows April the rest of the house and Steve asks Preston how he is feeling now that he met April. And Preston says she's cool. And Steve says, yeah. <laughs> Their communication is interesting, Preston and Steve. Brenda asks April how she is feeling. April is nervous, but she feels it went well. And Patrick asks his dad how old April is. And Steve tells 18-year-old Preston that April is 21. And he's shocked. His eyes get big and he asks, 21? And his dad awkwardly says, yeah. And Patrick laughs and he says, okay. Brenda tells April that she thinks everybody was nervous and no one wants to push or ask too many questions. Brenda tells April she knows Preston is like this the first time when you officially introduce someone. And Preston tells his dad that if he likes April, then he likes her too. And Steve appreciates that and he knows it can be difficult he fully understands. Preston has decided to be supportive of his dad's decision because he just wants his dad to be happy. And he thinks getting to know April will happen over time as they get more comfortable being around each other. Preston says April is very important to his dad, so she is important to him then. Steve was happy that Preston was able to meet April. It's a step that had to be taken to go forward. Says it's been a long journey. It's been a few years since they started this. And to get to the point they are at right now with April, Steve goes on that they have had a lot of changes in their lives. And the fact that April has been there throughout all of those challenges and changes in their lives means a lot to him. And Steve is excited for the future. 
Next up are the Merrifields in Brazil. Danielle and Garrick talk as Garrick creepily rubs Danielle's shoulder as comfort as he stands a foot apart from her. Danielle tells Garrick that Roberta is upset. Danielle explains to Garrick that first Roberta brought up making sure that she is happy and making sure that she really wants this for herself and not just for Garrick. Roberta wants to make sure this is what she really wants for herself. Danielle mentions to Garrick that Roberta brought up that she is having a hard time with them dating other potential sister wives. Garrick asks, oh really? And Danielle explains that she told Roberta it's something they all need to discuss together. In confessional, Garrick says he needs to spend time talking to Roberta to figure out why she is bringing up past stuff. Garrick says that's not a healthy way to have a relationship. He says you should always move forward so it's something they need to deal with as a family. If it's true that Garrick just FaceTimed Roberta with a potential sister wife one day without consulting her or introducing the topic first to prepare her and figure out where she stands and how she feels about it first, then Roberta was never given a choice and she was treated like her opinion doesn't matter to Garrick or to Danielle. And she was treated like Garrick and Danielle were going to date regardless of how she feels about it. If that's the case, this isn't just stuff in the past. You can't just move forward if you feel resentment or heavy, unresolved negative emotions about the past. It's not healthy to expect someone to shove their unresolved issues from the past aside, labeling that as unhealthy if they bring it up, as if they are the problem, all in the name of them just moving forward. That's not how it works. If you shove a past issue down, relegating it to the past, but you still harbor the emotions and resentments in the future, it's not over until it's hashed out and the involved parties communicate and take accountability. And then everyone can move forward. Otherwise, it's moving forward with a can of worms you carry around. And one day those worms will escape out of that can and crawl all over the place infesting every part of your life and relationship. So if Garrick's relationship strategy is the past is unhealthy, just move forward where in the present as a way to avoid hashing things out or taking accountability, a relationship won't work with anyone but Danielle who will just stick around till her boys are 18. Garrick, Danielle, and Roberta are talking and Garrick is holding Danielle's hand as he is stroking Roberta's hair like she's a child or a pet dog. Where is the translator? Isn't she there for these hard discussions? Why isn't she here for this? Why is Roberta having to speak in words and incomplete sentences about such a complicated topic? Roberta says, Woman, Leah, because Garrick no love me. I think she's trying to say Garrick was able to date Leah because he doesn't truly love her. And Roberta is crying. She says, no, I in Brazil, no Colorado. So I think she is saying she feels Garrick doesn't love her because he was willing to date Leah. And so she is staying in Brazil and not going to Colorado. She says, new wife, I'm here. 
and she makes the crazy sign with her finger. So she is saying, I guess, when Garrick dated Leah, she was in Brazil feeling like Garrick must not love her. And it made her crazy. At this point, Garrick and Roberta Hogg, where the fuck is the translator? Because they can't really communicate in words and broken sentences and toddler speak. They hired the translator for this, but they aren't using her when this is a conversation where pertinent stuff is being missed because of the communication issues. Garrick apologizes to Roberta as Danielle looks on, arms crossed. Garrick tells Roberta in his mousy voice, we don't mean to hurt you. He strokes Roberta's hair and he apologizes gently saying, I'm sorry. And Danielle is looking on, giving the stank eye. She looks like she wants to hurl. And Roberta tells Danielle, no problem, new wife. But now is a special moment for her. And Danielle tells Garrick, Roberta isn't ready to add another wife. And Roberta, I think, is trying to make clear that this is her moment. This is her time to adjust and be the new wife and find her way first. Danielle confirms no more dating and Garrick tells her it's no problem. He tells her special wait. Okay. Garrick says in confessional, the reason he ends up agreeing to not court or date anybody is because he and Danielle love Roberta with all of their hearts. Garrick wants her to come to the US he wants them to be a family and work things out together. The way Danielle was looking at Roberta as Garrick was cooing, I'm sorry, and stroking her hair was like, are you effing serious? I think Danielle adding the third wife was to troll Garrick. And I think she thought it would end Roberta and Garrick and then she and Garrick could live monogamously together again. And then... Danielle discovered it backfired in that moment and that Garrick would just agree with Roberta not to date anymore. Danielle is realizing Roberta will be Garrick's number one and she's thinking, oh shit. Garrick tells Roberta, me lately feel God want that to wait till later. And Danielle looks annoyed, like she wants to hurl. She looks down at the floor, literally like she's about to retch. And Danielle says she wouldn't say that she feels like Roberta is out of line to not want to continue dating right now. Danielle says, yeah, Roberta needs an adjustment period. She gets that. But at the end of the day, they obviously miscommunicated. And Danielle feels like they have to put the past behind them. So Danielle is holding out all hope that Roberta is coming to Colorado. Notice how all of a sudden Garrick brings up God. See how he says he has felt like God wants them to wait? He knows Roberta is religious and that he can mention he feels God saying they should wait as a way to ease her discomfort and assure her that the dating is over. And that's super manipulative and it's very fucked up to use God as a way to manipulate others or to justify shit behavior. In my opinion, I think Danielle will push wanting a third wife, even when Roberta gets to the US, because it will make her feel she has some type of control, and it's probably Danielle's passive-aggressive way at getting back at Roberta, because under all this sister bullshit is a shit ton of resentment. 
Danielle divorced Garrick to allow for Garrick to marry Roberta. Just to keep her family intact because I believe she believes she loves Garrick. And maybe for the sake of her sons. And I think Danielle is going to end up finding ways to show her resentment. And one way will be the third wife thing. This is not over. And now Danielle knows it's a button to press. And whenever she resents Roberta or the situation she's in... Whenever she resents the divorce she has to get, whenever she resents Garrick, whenever she resents anything about this situation she finds herself in, Danielle isn't going to hesitate to press this button. This situation isn't healthy. It's unfair to Danielle and it's unfair to Roberta too because Garrick is manipulating Roberta as well. Next up are the Epps family. Marcus and Bina go to coffee. And by the way, Bina is like two feet taller than Marcus. Marcus is a very, very short man. And it looks like a mom and her son at the coffee shop. Maybe Bina should get Marcus a high chair and a bib to go with his bald head. With his bald head and his height, he looks like a walking man baby. Marcus flew Bina in to spend time with him. And he is attracted to her, but he is still concerned about what the natural progression of their dating situation looks like. And it's been rocky for himself and Bina with a long-distance relationship over the last couple of months. So Marcus wanted to chat with Bina. Marcus tells Bina she looks good and he wants to know how things are going for her shop. The shop is going well and Marcus mentions he likes to think he had a little hand in that with his encouragement. Yeah, this woman is a smart, independent woman who could make her own hair salon. She doesn't need encouragement from a man to do it. Of course, Bina starts laughing at that. Marcus says he knows he owes her an apology because he notices Bina has been handling him a little different than how she usually handles him. And Bina is glad Marcus noticed. Marcus says he asked Bina one night where she was going. It was late. She was in the car and she told him she was going out. And Marcus asked out where and Bina's response was out again. And Marcus immediately went on the defensive wanting to know why she can't tell him where she is going. So he took that as snarky, typical, rebellious Bina but it had Marcus thinking about what happens when things progress. And he asks Bina a question like that. Marcus says if Bina thinks it's okay to say that to him, there's a disconnect there that he doesn't know if they can ever get past. It's interesting. Notice with Marcus's wives, he doesn't give a fuck how they feel, if they feel respected or not. He does what he wants. He knows it's not okay to come home the next day, but he does it anyway, and he apologizes later. And when the wife, who will be most problematic, complains that he did not check in with her like he was supposed to, let alone come home that night like he was supposed to, he makes excuses that India got the notification of his location, but her phone must be broke. And then he makes the excuse that she could have woke up Taryn to find out. And he says it was wrong. He apologizes ultimately. Marcus will do stuff and he will apologize later. 
He wants no curfew so things are organic. He wants when sex happens to be organic. He doesn't feel he should have to answer to his wives. He does what is convenient for him. And as the man, he thinks that's acceptable. And he prioritizes what he wants over his wives' feelings. He matters to himself much more than his wives that he supposedly loves do. But with his women, Marcus expects to know every detail. He expects answers. He expects to know every little detail. And if they don't answer to him, if he gets snark back or dismissiveness, it's not okay for him. He won't tolerate that. And that's disrespect. And it's such a big sticking point for him that it might actually impede the relationship with Bina altogether if he can't know where the girl he is dating is. But Marcus doesn't mind not telling his wives where he is at or staying out all night. So for him, he cannot tolerate it from a woman. It's disrespect. But as a man, he expects his wives to tolerate disrespect from him. He wants women he can control and manipulate. He wants to know what time they shit each day. But he doesn't want to be accountable himself for what he does and where he is, not to his wives at least. And to Marcus, that double standard is more than acceptable. Marcus tells Binna it threw him off when she would not tell him where she was. It threw him off and he admits he probably got out of pocket, so he wants to apologize for flipping out. But he tells Bina he wants her to be accessible to him when he needs her to be. He expects Bina to always be available to him to communicate every time she shits. She has to always be there available for him, no matter what, whenever he wants. She has to be accessible. But what about when his wives expect him to be accessible to them? They expect him to come home in the same night. They expect a check-in and he ignores it and he comes home the next morning. Marcus expects to do what he wants. He doesn't give a fuck what the women want or what they need from him or what they expect. But he expects the women he is dating to always be accessible to him and to tell him the details of their every bowel movement, it seems. Marcus wants to control the show, but he doesn't give the wives back the courtesy he expects from them. Marcus wants Bina to be accessible when he needs her. To be accessible when he needs her to be accessible. Marcus is laying down the law. Bina looks at Marcus like she got a whiff of some shit. And Marcus goes on that he feels like respect is something they should expect from one another. And if he asks her where she is going, she could have just answered him. Bina says the last conversation she had with Marcus wasn't too good. She says Marcus apologized for it. In my opinion, he scolded her like, I'm sorry for flipping out, but it's because you could have just told me where you were. It's blaming Binna for why he got so pissed. And he's claiming he felt disrespected, as if this is on Binna for being disrespectful, when really it's not Marcus's business where she was going. He is dating other people other than just Bina, and he has two wives as well. So he and Bina are not exclusive. So Bina does not owe Marcus anything. And she doesn't have to tell him where she is going. He's not her daddy. And Marcus has no business talking about respect 
when he can't respect his wives and he comes home from a date the next morning lying saying he fell asleep at Janae's and maybe India's phone is broke. This man treats women like they are dumb, like they are objects. And because he's a midget and he pretends to be charming to make a woman feel she has a connection to him, the women then become disarmed and they fall for his bullshit. And then he slowly controls them and he doesn't respect women at all. Not the women he dates and not his wives, in my opinion. Marcus is just a car salesman who has to sell himself because unless he puts on a show, no one will want him just as he is, just in my opinion. Bina says she wants to move forward, but she is still on edge. He says just the way Marcus acted and how he handled the situation in general, she feels on edge. Marcus tells Bina he feels that in a relationship, you expect a man to be transparent with you too. And Bina insists her answer to Marcus should have been enough. Tells Marcus she won't change her answer just because he wants her to. Marcus says, like he said, he still feels strongly about that, so he needs Bina to marinate on it if she can. Marcus says if she asks him a question, she wants the answer to it. When does Marcus give a straight answer himself, ever? He even tried to say he just fell asleep at Janae's. Who believes that's true when just two episodes ago, Marcus was talking about rose petals to the bed and wanting sex to be organic. Bina says Marcus is definitely used to being in control and she has more of a backbone than he thinks and she doesn't like being smothered. I agree with Bina. Bina is smart. Marcus is trying to push this, that he expects her to tell him where she is. He expects that Bino will always be available whenever it suits him. And he brings it up saying it's about respect because she would expect answers. But Marcus doesn't give respect to his wives, so he won't give Bino respect either. And what he cloaks as a respect issue about knowing where Bina is and having her always be available to him is really about Marcus having control. And he wants to groom Bina into accepting his control. And he's starting small with her not being clear about where she was. When it's not his business, they are not exclusive. He has two wives and he's dating multiple other women as well. So Bina does not have to tell him anything at all about where she's going. Marcus got very angry. He flipped out when he asked her and she refused to say more than she's going out. Marcus got angry because he wanted to try and make her fearful. And he thought if he gets super pissed, it will pressure her to learn to submit. It's a test. And in my experience, controlling men start small and they slowly condition a woman until everything is their way. Otherwise, you fear upsetting them. And Bina sees what's going on, in my opinion, and she has a backbone and she isn't going to take it. I don't think Marcus's schemes and manipulations will work on Bina. Bina tells Marcus she has a problem being told what to do. It doesn't work for her. And Marcus says Bina is just a natural rebel. And Bina tells Marcus to move past this. Marcus says he wants to and Bina reiterates that she is very independent 
and it's an issue for herself and Marcus going forward. But she will try to meet Marcus in the middle. Marcus tells Bina he isn't trying to change her and he doesn't want her to pipe down either. And Bina says nobody can clip her wings. And Marcus continues, but she does need to understand that if he asks her a question, he expects an answer. And Bina says she can try. Marcus kisses Bina's forehead and he says that's progress. Marcus says it's not that things are going bad between himself and Bina, but he wants to make sure this person is right. So he is still keeping his options open and now it's still really early. So they're going to see how things work out. Next up are the Davises and tonight Nick, Jennifer and April are going to propose to Danielle. Nick looks like a cross between a Dracula and a pimp in the outfit he has on. He has a three-piece suit on with a huge chain and a top hat. And Jennifer is doing very heavy eye makeup on him. They look like they are all starring in a shit high school musical with the amount of makeup they have on. They are doing a surprise proposal for Danielle because they don't want Danielle to see this coming. With the baby coming soon and them getting ready to move into a new home, Nick says this seems like the perfect time to propose to Danielle. Jen is doing Nick's eyeshadow as she asks, Are you ready, baby? And Nick is feeling nervous, but not as much as he thought he would. But he is just still not sure what he wants to say to Danielle to propose to her and present the ring. Nick is sure that Danielle has no idea this is coming, but he thinks they have a nice setting in store for Danielle, and Nick hopes Danielle will be moved by it. April thinks Nick looks really nice. To me, he looks like he is play-acting the role of a pimp with his eyeshadow and shiny shirt and top hat in his three-piece suit with his necklace. He looks like a disaster. Nick says he might wear makeup sometimes because he knows Danielle likes it when they all get theatrical with the dress up. Nick wants to wing it as far as what he says during the proposal. And Jen and April think that's best. Jennifer thinks that Nick should let it come from the heart in the moment. And April asks if Nick knows if they will stick with the plan of Nick saying Danielle and then the three of them all together asking, Will you marry us? Nick says they do things collectively, so it's not going to just be Danielle marrying him. So for him to just ask that question on his own, that wouldn't be reflective or sufficient to describe what Danielle will actually be doing in joining the family. Danielle wouldn't just be making a commitment to Nick. She is also committing to April and Jennifer as well. April told Danielle they are just picking her up to go for a walk downtown, and that's all Danielle knows. April is all done up, and she is super excited to propose to Danielle. She can't believe that they have gotten to this point, but she thinks Danielle is ready, and she is excited to see Danielle so happy. The Davises pick up Danielle, and Danielle says tonight they are going downtown, and she isn't sure what they are doing, but she would say this date feels different from every other date because this has been planned by April, Nick, and Jennifer. Yell says she isn't sure what the night entails. 
Typically, they discuss what they are doing beforehand. So Danielle has a feeling it's going to be something special. They decided to propose to Danielle at the Denver Clock Tower. It's iconic in the city, so Nick thinks it'll be a nice place to propose. There are rose petals when they get to the top. There's a decorated table with four chairs and champagne. Danielle says they walked into this room and it is beautifully set up. And there are rose petals everywhere and a table and champagne. And the clock tower is breathtaking. Nick says this big clock here brings to mind thoughts about time. He says the experience of time is subjective, meaning that it is different for everyone. It's unique. And so is love, he says. He says we all get to experience love in our own unique way. Nick tells Danielle he is honored to have them all join him in creating their own version of what love is within that. Nick takes Danielle's hand and he tells her it's been very nice getting to know her. They have and he uses Danielle's name, which I believe is the cue for the three of them to ask Danielle in unison to marry them. Danielle agrees it's been wonderful and Nick pulls out the ring box and he asks, Danielle, will you? And then the three of them say, will you marry us? Danielle has her mouth wide open. She says, um, oh my God. And she puts her hand to her forehead. She asks, wait, really? And she starts sobbing, like absolutely sobbing. And Danielle says, yes, she is going to marry the Davises. Nick puts the ring on Danielle's finger, but it's no diamond. April explains they like to do birthstones for their rings, so they decided to get Danielle a ring that's her birthstone, a blue sapphire. I wonder if Nick did the birthstones for rings instead of diamonds because he knows he doesn't have a job and his wives keep him and maybe his wives don't want to pay for diamonds. I wonder if that factored into why Nick picks birthstones instead of diamonds. Just wondering since he doesn't have a job. Nick and Danielle kiss. As Jennifer says, we want to be with you forever, Danielle. And Danielle is still sobbing as she hugs Jennifer and April. Danielle says she is really happy, but also she is beyond shocked. She had no clue. She is thinking, wow, this is really happening now. She feels so honored that they spent all of this time arranging this and making this happen for her. And she says that goes to show how significant their love is. April tells Danielle that they have known for a while in their hearts that they wanted to propose to her. They just wanted a planet and they wanted it to be perfect. And they will now move into the new house as a family. And Jennifer tells Danielle they want her to feel just as secure like she is as in this as they all are. So they want Danielle to know that and to feel secure. Danielle is sobbing the entire time. She still hasn't stopped crying. And she says she loves them all so much and this confirmation means the world to her. She says, because it's scary when you love someone so much, it's so scary and it's such a vulnerable feeling. And she doesn't think she has ever felt so truly loved by other people. And so it really means a lot to her. And Jennifer says, tonight went amazing. April says, tonight is an extremely emotional night for her and for all of them. It's solidifying something they all felt in their hearts. And now they finally get to do this in reality. 
Nick says this moment here at this point now that he has three sister wives, it's beautiful. This is exactly what he has always wanted. I really hope everything works out for Danielle, but my honest opinion is Danielle is just 22 and she is still learning about life and the world and who she is. And now she has committed to a situation just going off of pure emotion. I know she thinks she loves the Davises and she even says this is the most she has ever felt loved by other people. So now she sees this as really good and uplifting and loving and I really think that Danielle has low self-esteem so she may never have felt so loved. And right now the Davises love her too. It's a warm supportive environment, maybe the most supportive environment she's ever had. And now Nick can groom Danielle to be accepting of the lifestyle and all of his little quirks. And Danielle will move in. And then as she grows up and Jennifer has her baby and she keeps maturing and growing up, Danielle might realize she gravitated towards where she felt loved. And because she never felt that love, she accepted a situation without having the full maturity to fully comprehend what it all entails. And she might get older. She might become resentful realizing she was groomed, realizing she may not have had the foresight, but Jennifer, Nick, and April were all old enough to have the hindsight to understand that she wasn't old enough at this time to understand the consequences and the big picture of deciding to live this way. And by then, when Danielle realizes all this, she will be like 30, maybe she'll have kids, and maybe she'll be stuck in this situation. And she might grow really resentful. I think Danielle is young and she's vulnerable and I don't think she really understands what she is getting into because right now things feel very lovey-dovey and this may be the first time she ever felt so loved and supported. So she is getting sucked in without fully seeing the big picture because it feels good for right now. Just because something feels good, it doesn't mean it's good for you. Next up are the Merrifields in Brazil. Everyone is having breakfast and after their talk on the beach yesterday, it's been an emotional roller coaster to say the least. Garrick agrees. Danielle says a lot happened, but right now, hopefully, they are all on the same page and they are excited to finally book the ticket with Roberta and they are excited to know when she will be with them. They're going to have a date now. Garrick says it's been a long time coming. They all sit to breakfast and Garrick asks Roberta, So Amor, look, phone, plane tickets? Roberta asks, today? Danielle asks if Roberta is all ready to leave and come with them finally. There's an awkward silence and then Roberta says, yeah, of course. Danielle asks Roberta, look at plane tickets? And Roberta says, yeah, and she is very excited because now they get to book a one-way plane ticket to the U.S. And finally, they will live together as a family. But on the other hand, now Roberta knows she has to say goodbye to her mother for a long time. So her heart is very hurt. Danielle asks Roberta how she is feeling on her Translate app. She knows this is a big step. And Roberta tells Danielle it's a difficult time because of the separation from her mother. Danielle says it's hard leaving Brazil and Roberta says she is happy because it's been a long time. Eric is really emotional. He's always crying and he says part of their story has been completed. 
But Garrick knows there is more to come, and he knows it'll be hard for Roberta to be away from her family. They book the ticket. Everyone high fives. Roberta says today is a special day because now she is starting to count down four weeks to go to the U.S. And in four weeks, she will be in the U.S. She says it's something very special. Danielle can't believe this is really happening. She feels like Bert officially deciding to book the ticket and her agreeing to come. That shows that she is just as committed as she and Garrick are to moving forward in the relationship. And it shows that Roberta is willing to make the sacrifices that it takes on her end. Mm, I wonder if Bert will get on the plane, though. Next time on Seeking Sister Wife, Danielle tells a friend that Nick doesn't work. Nick doesn't bring a dollar into this relationship, she says. And her friend tells her she thinks she knows exactly what she is getting into, but she doesn't. Danielle's friend says that she thinks Danielle is being manipulated. Uh, That would be right. Steve asks Brenda, Will we ask April to move in? And Steve says he feels like he is close, but there's another big concern. And Brenda asks what? And Steve says kids. Brenda agrees. She asks, can April not only be a sister wife, but can April be a parent? And Steve says, that's a good question. In my opinion, I think Steve wants kids again to see if he can have another opportunity to relive being a dad the right way. But in my opinion, Steve's priorities are already screwed up. He already doesn't prioritize his first set of kids. So why would he prioritize these kids? I think having kids is an ego thing for Steve. Tasha and Sidian video chat with Ariel and Sidian's kids are there too to meet Ariel virtually. Tasha says having their kids accept a new partner is really important. If the kids feel uncomfortable, the relationship ultimately isn't going to work out. Sidian asks his son if Ariel seems nice, and he says no. Marcus is sitting around a fire pit with Tasha and India, and he tells India he and Taryn want her blessing with both Bina and Janae being added as a wife. India says not to women. Why are Taryn and Marcus discussing this first and then going to India and springing that it's going to be two women joining the family? All the discussions on what happens need to occur with Taryn and Marcus and India present. Two of the three can't have private conversations agreeing to add two wives instead of one and asking India after they already agree together. That feels deceptive and unfair. Also, have Bina and Janae agreed to both joining the family at the same time? I highly doubt it. I feel like Marcus would prefer Bina and Janae if India isn't down with them both. He wouldn't mind if India left because India tries to set boundaries with him She's becoming an inconvenience. She's creating a lot of issues and fights and creating boundaries. She wants to be respected. And Marcus probably sees her as a liability if he wants to keep eating cake. I don't know how things will go, but not well. 
Cynthia can find a man who will love and accept her, who will also respect her and want only her. Marcus doesn't respect India, not now, and he won't respect her later either. And adding wives won't change a thing. It's only going to make it worse. When you love someone, it's very hard to override that and leave. But in the end, India will end up leaving anyway because Marcus will never change. So better now than later, I say. Eric, Danielle, and Roberta are sitting someplace with a Brazilian lady. And she asks if you have to get intimate to have a date. And Garrick says there is no intimacy. And Danielle says, well, there could be a kiss. And Roberta says, yeah, intimate kisses, no kisses, friends. And Garrick and Danielle look pissed. So I don't know if Roberta is dating other people being intimate or if Garrick was requiring intimacy for dates. And Danielle thought just kissing was allowed. Or maybe Roberta is complaining about how Garrick kissed Leah. Or she wants to know how much intimacy is allowed when Garrick dates another potential third wife. I don't know yet what is going on. But I really think Roberta is going to try her damnedest to create an issue because she doesn't want to go to the U.S. Wow. Next week will be entertaining for sure. To my YouTube viewers, please like and subscribe and let me know your thoughts in the comments section if you like. I'll be back this week for the next episode of Book Club on Chapter 10 on Janelle and also for the next episode of My Sister Wives Rewatch, Season 16, Episode 5, Sad, Sorry, Lonely Little People. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you soon. Bye.